Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us on today's episode of Brand Story, Inc., we welcome one of the most inspiring leaders in the movement for business and culture as forces for good, Afdel Aziz. Afdel is the co-founder and chief purpose officer of Conspiracy of Love, a global purpose consultancy whose clients include the likes of iconic brands Adidas, Red Bull, Oreo, as well as a number of Fortune 500 companies like PepsiCo, Microsoft, the list goes on and on. Afdel is a writer at Forbes, where he covers the intersection of business and purpose, and he's the author of a number of books, including a new one that is the focus of today's podcast, Good is the New Cool, The Principles of Purpose. I've read a few chapters, love it, specifically because it's chock full of real-world practical case studies. Purpose marketing is a passion of mine and something we pride ourselves on at, at Teamworks Media, so candidly, I'm jacked to jump into this episode and feel like we could do a weekly podcast on purpose alone. So an inspirational and highly in-demand keynote speaker, Afdel has been a featured speaker at Con Lion, South by Southwest, TEDx, Adweek, Columbia. Again, the list goes on and on. A native of Sri Lanka, he's a graduate of King's College London and the London School of Economics, now based in LA where he lives with his wife and son. Afdel, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm ready to like conspire on some business love, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. So, so... Let's start with, uh, you know, the foundational element, the origin story. Tell us about the inspiration and backstory for the book, Good is the New Cool, The Principles of Purpose. Sure. So, uh, you know, my the first half of my career was as a brand marketer. Uh, I, I worked for Procter & Gamble and Nokia in London and mm-hmm. then Heineken and Absolute Vodka in New York. Uh, spent 20 years client side, um, you know, creating brands and advertising mm-hmm. and and, and branded content, mm-hmm. <laughs> apropos of the conversation mm-hmm. we're having today. Um, and then I kind of had a crisis of meaningfulness. Mm-hmm. And that really kind of was a point where I started to look at the work I was doing and saying, is that my legacy? Do I really just want to leave behind a legacy of helping people buy more stuff? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a, a come to Jesus moment where um, I was lucky enough to be having it alongside my good friend and co-author and now business partner, Bobby Jones, who was going through a similar journey on mm-hmm. the agency side and had come through a similar crisis of meaningfulness. And we were both at lunch one day and we just like, we're super honest with each other and said, you know, we need to find something that inspires us. And we decided to write a book and then spent four and a half years writing book number one, mm-hmm. which is good as a new cool market like you give a damn. That <laughs> was that. about the now nascent, uh, at that point, kind of new idea of the idea of brands having a purpose. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, this is 2016 when the book came out. This was before Nike and Colin Kaepernick, before Pepsi and Kendall Jenner. Mm-hmm. And so that set us off on a whole uh, path to set up Conspiracy of Love our purpose consultancy, um, which we, we we work with some incredible brands. We have the privilege of working with brands like Adidas and uh, Oreo and Red Bull, advising them on how to authentically create impact in the world. Um, and then at a certain point, we realized that brand purpose was just scratching the surface of it. And there was a whole other topic around organizational purpose or corporate purpose. Mm-hmm. 
um, that was happening. And so we set out on another four-year journey. Everything is four-year journeys. <laughs> and um, we wrote book number two, which is good as a new cool, The Principles of Purpose. And this book is aimed at CEOs, mm-hmm. not just CMOs. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's our offering to the world uh, uh, for leaders who want to transform their companies into purpose-driven organizations, not just their brands, the whole company. Um, and that, that got launched a few weeks ago. I love it. And, and to your point, like how I want to, I want to dive in on conspiracy of love for a second here to give a little bit more yeah. detail on what you do there. Um, because you know, that is the day job here, right? And, and the book leverages your day job. And, and I think the way that you use that phrase kind of, you know, transform their brands and that's where you and I connected offline, right? Like at our company, we do the same thing to help them transform into what I would call media companies. How do you tell, how do you consistently tell stories and how do you think and act like a media company and to connect and you're doing it similarly and, and even more foundationally of like, what do you stand for? And so I'd love to hear more about conspiracy of love, like a pick a client or two to give, give our listeners context for exactly kind of like what the deliverables are when you work with a client. So they understand, you know, from the soup to nuts component. Sure. And, you know, I think, you know, in book number one, um, one of the reasons we said that brands needed to engage uh, in a very different way uh, with consumers was because of the disintegration of the traditional advertising model. Mm -hmm. So we, I was seeing this in real time as I, as I was a, a brand marketer, I call it the shrinking of the pipes, mm-hmm. right? So we, there was a pipe called advertising, which used to be enough to uh, get uh, access to consumers. And you used to be able to go, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy 1800 GRPs mm-hmm. at this frequency and this reach and, you know, dust your hands off and, and job done. And those days are gone, right? So we're in a new era now where that pipe of advertising is shrinking rapidly it's shrinking because consumers are going into ad-free environments mm-hmm. uh like netflix and hulu etc mm-hmm. they are increasingly blocking advertising the the rates of uh digital ad blocking software are just through the roof um and there is this incredible fragmentation of the media landscape and so brands need to then rethink their whole approach they need to foundationally stand for something a lot more um, useful and delightful to mm-hmm. consumers. Mm-hmm. They can't just elbow their way into the conversation anymore. And um, one of the principles in the first book was people are the new media. Mm-hmm. The opportunity is if you do something that's genuinely useful and delightful for people, whether that's giving them an incredible piece of branded content that helps add value to their lives, that teaches them, educates them, inspires them, uh, or you show up in their communities in a way that does some good, that's when people will go, all right, I'm going to share this brand story. I'm yep. going to advocate on their behalf. And now with you know 3 billion people on social media, that's how you can get word of mouth at scale. So that's where our, our kind of focus is with conspiracy is going into these brands and saying, okay, how, how do you think about people as citizens, not consumers, first mm-hmm. of all? Mm-hmm. Don't just think about them as consumers, which then condemns you into this narrow transactional way of doing things. Can you tell, Aftel's a poet, as, yeah. can you tell, can you tell listeners, <laughs> I mean, the, your efficiency of words is just, I, I love it. Sorry to interrupt you. No, it's okay. These are, you know, we realized we had to kind of provide people species of wisdom really mm-hmm. for people to wrap their heads around, right? So 
if you think about people as citizens with a broad range of issues and causes they care about, then you can have a multi-dimensional conversation with them about those those topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really where we, we 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 preach the maxim of you know solve problems from the everyday to the epic. Um, and so that's that's really the interesting part of our work. We we call it having like acts of moral imagination, mm. right? Where you go in there and you help the brand go. How can I show up in the worlds of my my consumers in a way that is helpful to them, useful to them, in order to win that brand advocacy and loyalty and trust that is the holy grail of every marketer, really? Yeah, I, I think. We're going to dive in because this can stay philosophical. And I think one of the things I loved about the book, like I mentioned before, is just how specific and tactical and real world the examples were. So allow yeah. me after, yeah. allow me to give our listeners as quickly as I can the nine principles of purpose. I think it's important, yeah. right? And and I'll mm-hmm. put this in the show notes um, at TeamWorksMedia.com uh, if you're listening. But so these are the nine principles of purpose. Number one, purpose needs to start inside out. Try to get your own house in order first. Number two, purpose is about picking your sword and shield. Find your crusade and establish your values. Number three, purpose must be profitable to be scalable. Build a business case for doing good. This is business, not philanthropy. Number four, purpose is about putting your money where your mission is. But sometimes you have to risk your profits to stand by your values. Number five, purpose doesn't have to be political. However, there are many issues which are not polarizing in society your company can get involved in. Number six, Purpose should be an open source pursuit. Truly purpose-driven companies collaborate on every level, even sometimes with their competition. Number seven, purpose is about being the helper, not the hero. This is one of my favorites. Don't fall into the trap of making your company the savior riding in on a white horse. Number eight, purpose should measure what you treasure. Create bespoke models for your company that allow you to accurately measure impact across silos. And number nine, purpose is a journey, not a destination. Companies can always find more ways to do good in the world. Pretty cool stuff. That's a lot to swallow as you're listening to this. So I thought it would really help us um, to kind of focus and cherry pick one or two that that are super relevant through the lens of a content-centric audience. And so, uh, but first, some context. I'd love... um, I'd love to get your take on, you know, maybe one example that kind of sure. brings to light, you know, perhaps the Oreo case study um, or, or, or one that kind of encapsulates um, and crystallizes some of the principles of purpose through that filter we just talked about. Sure. Absolutely. So let's, t- let's take another brand within Mondelez. Mondelez is one of our uh, incredibly uh, clients we're incredibly privileged to work with. We are working with we, we work with eight different brands there. Mm-hmm. And Ari was one of them. I, I'll talk about another uh, brand, which is uh, the work is in the public domain, mm-hmm. um, which is Sour Patch Kids, mm-hmm. right? And so incredibly fun brand. Um, and the brand decided to make a commitment around racial justice in the wake of George Floyd hmm. and Black Lives Matter last summer. And they made a public commitment uh, uh around this topic but that's when they came to us and said well now we need to actually figure out how to connect it to our brand and do it authentically and meaningfully as well and and this is where it got really interesting so starting with purpose must work inside out first thing we did was go and take a look at the brand and what it stood for and it stands for um really this idea of positive mischief 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at what uh, the, the advertising is about and how the brand shows up in the world, it's a very kind of you know gently provocative, mischievous brand. And we thought, okay, that's interesting. Um, and then the other side of of the process that we take brands on is then is looking at the world and looking at you know how it can sh- um, in culture uh, in a meaningful way. And it was around this time that, um, I don't know if you remember, but the John Lewis documentary, mm-hmm. Good Trouble, came out, which is, by the way, fantastic documentary about this legendary civil rights leader. And we looked at that and said, ooh, positive mischief, good trouble. There's something really mm. powerful here mm-hmm. um, that we can kind of link, um, you know, link to this brand and this moment in history that we're in. Um, and that's where this like, this other principle of being the help and not the hero came in. Um, the, the, the whole approach we, we counsel to our clients is do not make this an ego trip where you are at the center of an advertising campaign talking about the good that you are doing. That is like cardinal sin number mm-hmm. one that will turn off everybody. Instead, think about how you can be the helper um, to a particular cause and help engage people in it. And that's where the partners that we were able to um, coordinate were the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, the oldest and most historic black college fund in the United States, do incredible work. Um, Sarah Patrick Kids made a million dollar commitment over five years um, to a series of scholarships around igniting lovable mischief that moves society forward. And so this is where the brand purpose and the, 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 the way it could show up in the world came to life. So these are, they're live now, uh, young, young college students applying to HBCUs uh, can apply for them. I think at last count, they had 850 applications mm. for these. These are uh, discipline agnostic, meaning that not tied to a particular field of study. You can be uh, an entrepreneur, you can be in medicine, you can be in uh, the arts. But you have to talk about what good trouble you're going to create in the community after you graduate. So, so after I want to go here because this is an important thing that you and I both yeah. know, and it, it, it's it's amazing how easy it is to that to spot from the outside. But when you're in a company, um, purpose washing, right? This notion of yeah. well, you can write a check, you can do some great positioning, and I mean the point of your nine principles is this. In the reason why your book, I'm assuming, is geared towards the CEO, this has to course through the veins of the organization from the water cooler to the mountaintops of the product, like everywhere, right? And I think that is, there's no, there are no shortcuts to this. There's no, hey, let's go write a check, you know, it's because a cynic would look at that and say, that's great. So, oh, so you wrote a check, you're doing some scholarships. That doesn't, that's, that is a small piece of a bigger picture of what you're going through here and i want to I, I want you to comment on that so because i know you live this and this is your world but that 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 delicate um balance of letting people know there are no shortcuts or just writing checks to get your way there quickly yeah i think you have to also look at pull back and look at the bigger picture of what mondelez was doing they were also integrating this into their recruitment mm-hmm. right and they was starting to look at how this feeds into their goals around diversity equality uh, on the recruiting side of things and science to create mentorship programs for these kids. 
uh, they were starting to think about longer term commitments and other investments in the field as well. So you, you have to look at Sour Patch Kids as one brand within mm -hmm. a bigger corporate entity, mm -hmm. which in and of itself is doing incredible work around this topic as well. Um, but you also have to think, you have to also understand brands have to start somewhere. Yes. And sometimes writing a check is okay if that's the first the first step, the first foray. I don't think any of the actual uh, students getting uh, scholarships from that would be mad at Sour Patch Kids for doing it. And so it's very easy for people to be cynical and say, oh, you're just doing this, you know, mm -hmm. for, for very kind of mercenary reasons. And by the way, this is this is uh, where I go, yes, Sour Patch Kids is doing it for business reasons. And that's one of the other principles. Purpose must be profitable to be scalable. Mm -hmm. This is business, not philanthropy. So by writing, making that investment, is Sour Patch Kids able to get more brand love from Gen Z, uh, mm -hmm. this target audience? Yes, they will. Yes, they are. If you look at the social media outpouring that the brand got because of that, it, it did the brand and business objective um, that purpose is there to do as well. Because otherwise, it's not going to get renewed for the next five years, yep. right? Yep. You, you have to think about the ROI of it as well. So. I'd say you, you really have to think about this in a multidimensional way. Brands have to start somewhere. They have to take the first step. Sometimes the first step is modest. Um, but what's really interesting is then, and, and, and to your point, Jay, I think where I get excited is, is how now purpose is um, kind of permeating through a company, yep. right? Where all these different silos that purpose existed, um, sustainability is purpose in the kind of uh, supply chain uh, and kind of production side of things. DNI is purpose in HR and recruitment. Um, it, cause marketing is purpose in, in mm -hmm. kind of the marketing function. What's really fascinating is how they're all kind of blending together into kind of this, you know, weaving together into what we call like this rope of purpose, yep. like this bigger thing. And where it gets really exciting is when all these departments start talking to each other and go, Oh, actually, you know that thing you did over there in marketing? We can use it in our recruitment. Oh, yeah. you know that thing you did in recruitment? We can use it over here in product exactly. innovation. You know, exactly. that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, I mean, and you can fact check me on this, uh, but I, I believe it was Forbes who you write for. A couple of years ago, I used to have this conversation. This is probably going back to like 2015. They did a survey on kind of the, th the top three priorities of CEOs in Fortune 500 companies, right? Client... Client, uh, I mean, uh, employee attention, uh, employee recruitment and retention was like number one or two on everyone's list. Right, it made the top three. There was yeah. financial growth, right, and um, shareholder value, right? And to your point was one of the two. I forget the third one. But you're addressing – you, that's that's the point that I was getting at. And then I think you do a really good job in yeah. the book of explaining this. Like, these are not mutually exclusive silos. They actually all play together. Like, so, yeah. what, an, what an advantage if you're somebody who's, you know, fits that mold in that demo, like, to go work at Sour Patch Kids. Because now you're working for the cause, not for, you know, things that there's such a good brand yeah. our mouths are watering about. The, the, the way we look at it is this purpose kind of revolution is driven by conscious consumers. Mm-hmm. Uh, who want to buy products and services that do are doing something positive. Uh, what we call activist employees who really mm -hmm. want to work for the companies and brands are doing that. And then the third is impact investors in Wall Street. But the, the employee bit is, is some of the most interesting stuff happening, right? So to your point, 
um, every CEO needs to think about retaining talented employees. Mm -hmm. um, and increasingly with millennials and Gen Z coming into the workforce, they're not just happy with um, their work being attached to some sort of quarterly profit objective. They need to feel like their work matters, right? Yep. So think about um, the impact uh, of that particular initiative on the people who work at Mondelez, yeah. who feel like, oh, I work for a company that's actually doing something positive to tackle the problem of systemic inequality. Um, yes, you can cynically point at them and go, oh, you're not giving enough, or this is just a tactic. It doesn't matter. It's a million dollars is a million dollars, yeah. right? And so when you think about a CEO's uh, goal of reducing turnover, um, there is clear data to show that um, truly investing in, in purpose-driven initiatives help reduce turnover. Uh, Benevity, this wonderful company, did a survey which showed that even simple things like volunteering and fundraising reduce turnover by 57%. Yep. Right? That's huge. If you think about the cost of replacing an employee as being 1.2 times their annual salary, like think about how that yeah. affects something like uh, turnover and you can start to draw a clear financial correlation against that as well. Well, one of the things that comes to mind, and if you're at your computer, I invite you to, to, to go on YouTube and look it up, Daniel Pink. Um, and, and his famous, his book, he's written several, I can't remember the name of this mm -hmm. one, about Drive, Drive, Drive. about an employee yeah. motivation, right? And after kind of food, shelter, needs are met, he goes on at length to show how um, career aspiration and growth within a company is not driven by financial motivation. And this is, you know, by filling that gap with purpose, to your point, it's such a huge competitive advantage. And, and I, I couldn't help but, but think about that. And so as we go into this, though, I want to take a step back. Uh, yeah. You have so many great interviews and first-person accounts of this. Share with our readers um, some of the people you interviewed for this book and uh, what you hope folks that buy this book will gain from it. Yeah, you know, the the first thing I'd say is it was important to us to to – uh, feature 27 people instead of 27 companies. So there's mm -hmm. 27 chapters in the book, which are interviews with leaders in companies like Tesla, Patagonia, Microsoft, Chobani, Mattel, um, none of whom are doing purpose perfectly, I'll mm -hmm. be the first to admit, but these are people who, who are each doing something really innovative and remarkable uh, in different parts of the company as well. Um, and the reason we wrote it with uh, uh, with interviews with people as opposed to case studies of companies is because that really is the other part of purpose that we are uh, obsessed with, which is personal purpose, the individual purpose. Hmm. And you reference uh, Daniel Pink's book, Drive, mm -hmm. The Science of What Motivates Us. And in it, he talks about three things which are crucial for feeling a sense of satisfaction in your work. And those three things are autonomy, yep. the ability to do self-directed work, no one's micromanaging you, uh, mastery, so having a, a sense of pride in the craftsmanship uh, in what you do. You're really technically proficient at it. And purpose. And, and purpose is the bit which is about feeling like your work has meaning, yeah. like it matters, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we're seeing in corporate America is people get to a certain stage in their careers, and maybe some of your listeners are at this point where they've got the autonomy, they've got the mastery, they've got the title and the paycheck and the share options but something is missing yep. and that something missing is the purpose part of it. And by showcasing examples of men and women 
who've, who've really found their purpose in their work, we hope to inspire other people to go, well, maybe I can do that too. Maybe I can find a way where this thing that I spend the most amount of my time, in, eight hours a day, five days a week, more time than I spend with my family, shouldn't that have meaning too, yep. you know? And, and that's where, I, again, not only in work, right? Purpose comes from multiple sources. It comes from your family, your community, your neighborhood. Um, it's just that the one place where it has been historically rare to find is in your work. You know, right, Jay? They used to say, oh, yeah. that person's found their calling. Yep. Like it was some sort of mystical thing. <laughs> that's now the expectation. People are like, no, I want my work to matter. And I think that's where showing examples of human beings who are no different to you and me and going, look, they found purpose in their work inside these companies. That's why it was important for us to do it that way. Well, I can tell you anecdotally, the timing of this book is perfect because uh, I'm about to turn 48 and the, the peer set me that too. I'm running around with, this is the yeah. kind of coming out of COVID. Like it was the great awakening, right? Like you're watching the statistics in real time of people fleeing jobs. And it's pretty easy to speculate that um, those that have more meaning and fulfillment are going to win the long game here, right? So I think the timing of this book is is for listeners is, is going to resonate. And I'd be shocked if we don't get emails from people saying thank you for this because mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a tool at this moment to kind of say, hey, there's this whole world out there of people that think like this. And you've, you've done a yeah. great job of bringing that together. So I, I want you to explain the purpose flywheel to our audience. Yeah, so this is a phenomenon that we noticed when we went and studied all these companies, right? Uh, of how to um, really authentically put purpose at the heart of your business model. And this is, by the way, worth pointing out. There's a de clear delineation between companies who have purpose as the core of their business and companies which have purpose at a, as like kind of a, on the periphery of it. Mm -hmm. right? um, a company that has purpose at the core of their business is Patagonia or, yeah. or even Tesla, I would point to as an example of mm -hmm. The reason for these companies to exist is to solve a particular problem, environmental mm -hmm. problems mm -hmm. in this particular um, respect. What happens is the three parts of the flywheel that we notice in these great companies versus just the merely good was mm -hmm. number one, they set clear um, messaging and intentions around what their purpose is. Everybody understands it, right? And that's what we call job number one, which is is really about leading with purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that's the work we do at Conspiracy. We help companies articulate and define and communicate that North Star, that beacon. Otherwise, you're kind of lost. People you know, people mm -hmm. to understand um, with clarity what the company's there to do. Um, the, the second part is working with purpose. And that's about creating a space where people can show up with their full selves and find a way to link part of their personal purpose with the work the company does mm -hmm. not all of it but enough of it to to make you feel like you want to jump out of bed in the morning and go to work because it, it's so in alignment with your assignment as our good friend the purpose guru true pedigree says mm -hmm. right and and that is um really uh rare again in corporate america that a company will go out of its way to try and find a way of giving you um, uh, a job or a role or, or find a way of adapting your existing job or role to have it have that kind of layer of meaning as well. But it's worth doing because what happens when you 
you have those first two pieces of the flywheel um, in place is that it kicks off um, part number three, which is innovation, growth, motivation, engagement, as these employees who are now lit up uh, with this kind of new sense of, of meaning and drive now start to come to work and go, hey, I come up with this new business model that I think we should try out. Or there's a group of con uh, consumers over here that we've never talked to. We should go talk to them. Mm -hmm. Or here's an idea I've had for a product innovation um, that I think could be really breakthrough. That only happens if you created a, a safe place for people to work where they are rewarded you know, and, and have all of the kind of not only their kind of basic needs met, but you're also creating like the space mm -hmm. uh, for purpose as well. If you get that right, the benefits are incredible. Um, I think that really is kind of like the the new benchmark. I think companies should send them set, set themselves as well. So let's take that maybe um, to a more specific level of the content studio executive audience. Right, we've got brand publishers, brands, media publishers, a, uh, agency execs listening to this. How, what advice do you have for? our audience on how best to digest and implement some of these principles into the content function well, of the I go back to sure you know so you know content is near and dear to my heart you know as I, we were saying mm -hmm. before jay when i was on the client side i would sign off branded content yep. you know with with partners with third-party publishers and people like that um and, and it's interesting now on the on the good as a new cool side, we're actively developing branded content concepts as well. So mm -hmm. we're kind of, I'm back in that space, but now from a kind of a provider perspective. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I'd say in common is this idea of being useful and delightful, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason branded content exists in the first place, I would argue is because it's a alternative to advertising, right? Yep. And I think that's where, um, people are open to it if it actually adds value to their lives. Otherwise, they're going to switch it off. Yep. They're going to block it out. And it goes back to this idea of being of service to them and saying, we're here to help you. We're here, we're here to be the helper, not the hero. And by bringing you content that is useful, educational, inspiring, entertaining, um, which, is, which is going to help you in your life, uh, and help make your life better, that's the right way around to do it rather than trying to hammer you over the head with some sort of commercial, you know, very explicitly blatant kind of message. Because this audience is way too savvy for that. Yeah. They can smell it. They can sniff it out the minute it, it becomes transactional. They understand their role in the value equation. They understand, hey, this brand is bringing me this thing. I understand the brand is doing it for a reason they, they want to show up in my life. Um, and I think they're okay with that value exchange yeah. in the attention economy, but you have to start with genuine intent. And, and, and value. Again, I think to your point, that helper, that's why I love that principle because we struggle with, we spend a lot of energy early on with clients, especially who haven't done content marketing before trying to get, you know, I'll, I'll call it, get rid of the buy me mentality and get into the help you mentality, right? You have to provide yeah. authentic value to your point. People subconsciously, people are way too smart. It's like, they don't even know they can't articulate why they know it's fraudulent, right? It wasn't that Malcolm Gladwell. It's the blink factor. It's blink. They know it. If you try to yeah. cheat the system, they're going to know it. Well, I want to ask you about, uh, we're heading up on time here. So last question for you before I have, uh, last business question, then I have one personal for you. 
there's a quote by Russ Stoddard that you had that today the goal of a purpose-driven company is not to tell a story, but to become the story. I would love your mm. reaction to that. Yeah, Russ is a, a great, great leader in the purpose space. I highly recommend checking out Oliver Russell, which is his agency out of Boise, Idaho. They do incredible work. And when Russ said this, I was like, that's genius. I, I want to talk about this idea, right? So um, to unpack that, that phrase, um, uh, today the goal of a purpose-driven company is not to tell the story, but to become the story. Um, take, um, take the example we have in uh, the, the book, which is around Oreo and um, the issue around um, LGBTQ rights mm -hmm. that the brand has started championing. Incredible brand. And they, they created a partnership with PFLAG, uh, which is one of the oldest mm -hmm. and most respected LGBTQ organizations around this idea of being a proud parent and what it means to be an ally uh, to your son or daughter who might be gay. And with Oreo stepping into this uh, topic, which, by the way, I don't think is a controversial topic, but right. there are people who do. Mm -hmm. um, the brand was putting its money where its mission is, right? To, to, uh, mm -hmm. to, to talk about another, um, another principle that we talk about. And in doing so, it kind of waded into a cultural um, kind of uh, argument, right? And you could see the hate being poured towards Oreo online yeah. around people who said, um, why are you making my cookies gay? Like, mm -hmm. why do you have to mm -hmm. venture into this? But you also saw the waves of love from parents saying, thank you, Oreo, for standing up for this. Because um, it's helped me understand my role as a parent, and it's helped my son and daughter feel a little less um, ostracized in the world, right? And that is what we mean by becoming the story. The minute people started commenting on it, and, and uh, supporting the brand, um, that's where it went from beyond Oreo telling the story to becoming part of the story mm -hmm. as well. You know, and I think that's where you have to be brave to, to do this kind of work because unfortunately we're living in a polarized society, yeah. right? Um, but I think if you wanna be a culturally relevant brand, um, then you have to really think about who you stand for, what you stand for. Uh, Oreo, the brand is all about playful connections and I think that's where that message of tolerance and love that they decided to put out there um, is so powerful in this day and age. And I know that the audience of Gen Z, that Oreo is has such a fanatical following. Oreo is the number one Gen Z brand, by the way. They mm -hmm. beat Nike and everybody else. Wow. They appreciate it when a brand comes out and stands up for what they believe in and puts forward this, this message of love and positivity. So yeah. and to, you, you that, do a really good yeah. job talking about in the book and that chapter, um, really how it, and it goes into the content, right? Into the earlier point, they are a media company. They have a media arm. They have 35, what do they have, 35 million Facebook followers? Like that is larger than yeah. most media companies' followings, right? And so it's like, yeah. the, it's, it's, it's all kind of, interwoven together as part of um, from the C-suite through the content. So final question for you before I let you go, and that is for fun, Bedside Bookstand. Really curious, we ask each guest, um, what is what book or books are you reading on the nightstand right now? Oh, yeah. I'm reading a really interesting book called Solutionaries by Zoe Weil, hmm. W-E-I-L-L. -L. Fantastic book. Uh, 
uh, about how we should teach our kids to be solutionaries. And uh, a solutionary is the term she coined. She has a wonderful TED talk about it. Um, and it, a solutionary is somebody who decides to tackle the problems of the world, not in a tactical level, but at a strategic level. They're looking to try and solve uh, problems at a systemic level. So they're uh, not just focused on, for example, going and donating, you know, canned goods to a homeless shelter, which is, by the way, fantastic. People should do that. Their kids are thinking about like, well, how do I tackle homelessness in my city? Hmm. How do I tackle homelessness on a bigger picture level? And it. she's making a, a great case that we should teach all of our kids to think in a solutionary way. And I love it. I've got a seven-year-old son myself. And I I think if we're, we're going to have a fighting chance of solving some of the problems in the world, that's an essential skill set to teach our kids as well. Afdel Aziz, thank you so much for joining us. Where would you like people to follow you, find you on various uh, platforms? How do they how sure. learn more about you? Please connect with me on LinkedIn. That's a great place. I, I publish two or three articles a day about this topic, as you can tell, I'm passionate mm-hmm. about it. Um, AfdelAziz.com is for my speaking. Conspiracyoflove.co is for our consultancy. And goodisanewcool.com is where we have a community of other purpose-driven leaders as well. So please come and check them out. And the spelling is A-F-D-H-E-L and last name A-Z-I-Z. So if you're a- trying, yeah. trying to write that down. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. This was an awesome conversation. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Jay. Keep up the great work. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc., We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.